Hello. Welcome to It Came From New Jersey podcast. Each week, we take a deep dive into an album that came out of the great state of New Jersey. Sometimes we love it. Sometimes we don't. But we always have a good time talking about it. I'm Pete. And I'm Bob. What's going on, Pete? Um, just kind of psyched to talk about this record. Um, <laughs> you are okay. I'm, See, this I'm is the pretty, first spoiler. I'm pretty psyched about this one. Yeah, because I th- I feel like the last so the last couple of weeks we've talked about things that were entirely fresh and new to me, which is a huge part of why you know I wanted to do the podcast initially and was a lot of fun and we had some great guests. Thank you again, Alan, Dave. Yeah, um, for sure. But uh, this one I'm like super familiar with i hadn't revisited it in a long time but um i'm i'm excited to dive in because it's kind of this record came out at a time where you and i i think were of an age where it was a big thing Um, oh yeah so it's gonna be cool to reflect on it a little bit yeah um so just to uh pull back the curtain to anybody who maybe didn't catch last week's episode uh we are or didn't read the title of this episode. <laughs> I was um, going to say we're we're uh, we're going to talk about Saves the Day's second album, Through Being Cool, um, which I believe released in 1999, which puts us both both firmly in our teen years. Yep. Um, which uh, just you know, recurring theme. That's kind of an important thing about this record. Yo, uh, I, as we were starting this episode, I said. I certainly have not talked to you about this band or record. I mean, I think maybe in the earliest discussions, like, oh, we should do, you know, this record or that record. Yeah. This, this was on a list, but we didn't talk about it. So I feel like we may have talked about this record. I'm, I'm certain we did in the 90s, but it's been a long, long time. It's been a long time. Um, yeah, I mean, this was definitely a record that was on our kind of list that you and I came up with together like kind of, you know, when we were getting the podcast started, but we've been picking different records each week. Sometimes it's me, sometimes it's you, it's, it's you, this one was you. So I'm curious, like with all that we had, why were you eager to, to get to this one? Well, let's see. Um, one is that I like this record. Okay. Two is that it's still, seems like a record that a lot of people like including people that are much younger being that this is a 21 year old record i i happen to know just through working around music people who are younger than this record who like it quite a bit uh which is interesting that's interesting and and on a purely selfish level uh for this podcast i was like yo this is the perfect record for us to do that would hit people who we kind of know or who we don't know, but who know of this stuff who could use this as a jumping on point. So true. If this happens to be your first episode of it came from New Jersey. Thank you. Welcome. Every episode can be someone's first. Uh, We don't always do this, but we uh, love to talk about music and that's what we do here. And this one I am particularly excited about because uh, as you said, this is not, a new glove. This is an old blanket. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> let's let's roll around in the attic for a while on this one. Um, so which l- ironically, sounds like lyrics that could be on this record. Yeah, it definitely does. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say so. So let's let's uh, let's curl up in the blanket and begin to roll. Um, yes. <laughs> maybe we go. 
I want to bring it back to when it came out um, okay. and kind of set the scene and just kind of give, you know, usually I think on this podcast, we try to give some sort of context about like what was happening um, at the time in music, um, you know, and with the band that we're talking about. I feel like with this one, we have a lot more context we can give just because we were actually there and kind of yep. privy, privy to it. Um, so what do, sure. you, what do you remember about that time? What do you remember hearing about Saves the Day? Like, bring us back to uh, a Saves the Day 1999. Okay, well, so as we've intimated, both Pete and I come from a background of when we were in our teen years, we got into punk and hardcore music. Uh, I'm assuming that there's quite a few people who are listening to this who are familiar with what that is and quite a few who aren't. Um, but it is uh, pretty aggressive music stuff. So, um, Saves the Day is at the far end of listenable to most people's ear uh, to fit in that world. And to many people who are in that world, it doesn't fit in that world at all. Um, <clears throat> so, to bring it back, um, Saves the Day was a band from New Jersey. I think, broadly speaking, the... Um, Princeton area. Princeton area, Princeton, Trenton, Mercer County yeah. area. And uh, and they were young. I, I'm fairly certain Chris Conley, the lead singer, is maybe yeah he he's a year and a half older than me, which means when this record came out, he was a bustling nineteen years old. Dude, they look the photos in this album. By the way, they look so young. Oh yeah, I mean. Yes, this is a like younger than I think of a nineteen-year-old looking, you know. Which maybe oh yeah, they're... I mean, I think they presented as younger, and it really mm-hmm. kind of, I mean, it fit. I think I was seventeen when this record came out. Yeah, and um, yeah. So, anyways, context is they released an album that was kind of received on the heels of X members of. This is a weird thing to say, but it was sort of like it was released on Equal Vision Records, a record label out of upstate New York. And it was released as a like ex members of these hardcore bands band, and the hardcore bands were all one of which being Mouthpiece, were or not Mouthpiece, excuse me, Hands Tied, which is a band who followed Mouthpiece, a New Jersey band, much more aggressive than Saves Today. But this comes out, <clears throat> and the first album Can't Slow Down is pretty fast, driving but very melodic and certainly at times poppy poppy enough that it's almost more in the pop punk lane than something like hardcore Mm -hmm. Um, that all tracks. And if you're not familiar with this stuff, um, take a listen to take a compare pop punk and hardcore. What would you give the best example? The easiest. Oh, let's say, let's say, let's say, um, Listen to the band Descendants for pop punk, and uh, sure, then listen, listen to, to Minor Threat for hardcore. Exactly. Uh, so if you're completely unaware, that's an easy. Oh, one is this, one is that, and you'll see similarities, and then you'll see some pretty distinct differences. Um, this band sort of somehow was in between both, but neither as well. Through being cool was their second record, which a lot of people, I, I think, both of us were into. Can't slow down. Is that right? So, yes, but I think I have a little more context to add okay. here just about like 
what was happening in that specific scene. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, please go in. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like Bob said, like I'm trying not to get too in the weeds, but let's just get in the weeds. Yeah, No, I want to get a little bit in the weeds for this one just because we can. Um, Fuck it. So like, you know, in the scene at the time, Bob and I, I think we're more on the more aggressive end of things, as he mentioned. But that being said, a lot of people who are into the more aggressive stuff were also listening to bands like Saves the Day. The thing about it, though, is that I don't think many of them admitted to that. They wouldn't have owned up to it at the time. Um, and if I'm being completely honest, I was one of those people. So I was definitely listening to the first record, which was you know faster, a little bit more aggressive, but still like very melodic. Um, you know, and not as aggressive as things of that kind of scene got. When Through Being Cool came out, I think they went kind of full, more or less pop, you know, pop punk. Um, it was a definitely less aggressive, I think more melodic, more catchy, um, kind of more mid-tempo rather than like faster songs. I remember being super excited for that record, but Bob, I didn't tell anybody. I didn't I didn't talk to anybody about it. In fact, I remember I pre-ordered the vinyl from Equal Vision Records on, on yeah. blue vinyl. And I think it came along with another popular band at the time, Bane. Oh had yeah, their, sure. Had their had their first full length come out around the same time. I got that on color vinyl. Um, I was very excited. But I think I was more into the Saves the Day record at the time, but they were one of those bands that you know, that particular scene felt really kind of, you know, if you, if you listen to one type of band, you couldn't listen to another type of band. And I was, Oh yeah. That could not listen to saves the day. At least, at least, you know, for whatever reason, people weren't cool with coming out with it. And I, uh, I, I wasn't (laughs) coming out about it. You were, you were holding back on it. Yo, um, back on it. But now it's funny because I talk to people, you know, like you that I've, you know, known since then. And yeah, a lot of them have similar stories, you know? Well, so for me, I was the lone person in my town who even liked uh, Can't Slow Down. And I really liked it. I really liked it. Um, and it was, to be very honest, kind of on the early, not 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 early in my records, but it was on the earlier side in my exploration of stuff. So I didn't have much else like it. Because to be quite honest, and we'll get into it when we talk about this record, but it hits this weird place where it's it's no scene. It's it's like it's pop punk, but being played in a hardcore scene, and it's faster than most pop punk, and content wise, it's a lot more earnest, and there's a lot less like silly songs and people like with like spiky hair like bopping around, but more people with sweaters. Like, like this was Weezer kids, not no effects kids. This was, yeah. you know, a Weezer show, not warp tour per se. Um, yeah. And now I think this band has a lot to do with how things change. So we'll get there. But yes, this was a, um, uh, keep it like a secret band for a lot of people, but I openly liked the record. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I was, I was a few years older than you. So I was not as worried. And, and uh, to be very honest, a couple of cute girls in my town also liked it. So I felt like, Oh, that's cool. I like this record. That's cool. That's fair. Uh, yeah. You know, um, that matters a lot when you're a 17 year old with, uh, zero experience with, with women, you know, <laughs> Certainly you're like, does. Oh, cool. Um, so, uh, <laughs> the, um, 
I was looking forward to this record as well. I do not think I pre-ordered it, even though I was aware of it, and I think I felt like I should have. Um, But I didn't. But what I did do was go and buy this record at Black Hat Records in in Red Bank, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. Which is a story that we'll leave untold, but but it was interesting because it was sort of met with a uh, shaking head. Like, all right, you buying this? Okay. <laughs> so that's another story for another day. But yes, the difference, much like promotion for many records, the first record, let's, let's just talk about aesthetics for a quick second here. The yeah. first record is kind of like, hey, it's a picture of a road with, where everything's swooshy and you can't see anything except trailing headlights, you know, like, so it's just like swooshy lights, dark highway, right? You can't really tell what the hell is going on. This record cover, Pete, will you describe the cover of through being cool? It's four boys looking 14 boys looking very cute in the middle of a, what looks like a party scene. Yes. Yeah. Sitting on a couch, kind of making, Faces from awkward to curious to shy to over it. And yeah. um, like it's a 10 of 10 on the SAS factor. You yeah, know? absolutely. A hundred percent like the band consciously going for a different vibe than they were, you oh, know, on the first yeah. record. Yeah. And a, like a going for it vibe. And this was the promo for the record. So everybody starts seeing the cover and like, what is this? I can't yeah. believe this. So they were even, I mean, um, Pete kind of uh, said it. Well, they were polarizing. They were a band who was loved by some hated vocally by many and maybe even more. So people who liked them weren't totally, into saying, hey, we, we like we like this band, you know? So, um, I mean, there were certainly enough people at the time openly saying they liked the band. I just, you know. Oh, no, but, we, but you know, we you're from, we from, from, from our world. world yeah. yeah, exactly, from our world. So, um, and I mean, to be very honest, I remember going to the record release show for this. It was at the Manville Elks Lodge. Yeah. Um, so I went to that. It was cool. It was fun, but but definitely a different energy at the show than I was normally used to, which was very aggressive. This was less so. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, let's kind of talk about this. That's some of the context of this record. Um, And this, I think, went on to be not their biggest record because the record after this, um, Say What You Are, I believe, was even bigger. But -hmm. this record got very, very popular. Yeah. and did very well and kind of exploded them. And spoiler alert, I think sort of changed the course of pop punk as a genre. Yeah. So uh, we'll kind of get to all that, but is there anything else you think you want to set up here for context? Uh, like nominally worth noting is that before this, um, as I mentioned, one of the original members who wasn't on Through Being Cool but was on uh, Can't Slow Down was um, in the hardcore band. Uh, Sean McGrath was in the hardcore band Hands Tied, RIP. Uh, but he was, you know, a reason I think a lot of people 
first check this band out. Um, you know, I didn't know that. I'm a big yeah. Hands Tide fan. Yeah. There. Yeah. Yeah. He, that, and I think that's how they ended up on Equal Vision, to be totally Got honest. It. Sure. Um, so, uh, and the other guys were in some band called Seffler, which is not very good. So it was, it was everybody's high school uh, pop punk band. Um, yeah. Which I don't think saves the day were. So <laughs> let's go. We gave a lot of context, maybe the most context we've given. And let me ask you this, Pete. What would you say is your level of familiarity with this record? So very familiar. Um, like I said, got it at the time it came out, um, listened to it a ton um, at the time, and then probably didn't go back to it for a long time. Um, listening to it for these for this episode, I, it was probably the first time I had listened to it in maybe five years. Um, the record they did after this one was called um, Stay What You Are, um, yes. which, like you said, I think that was their biggest record. Um, it's also my favorite of their records. And if I... Really? Yeah, at this point, if I go back to Saves the Day, that's the record that I go to. So um, let's talk about... Let's put a pin on Stay What You Are for later, but I want to talk about that more. Well, real quick. So yeah. it's Stay What You Are. Maybe we'll talk about this again in the Stay What You Are episode. But oh, Black, shit. Black Cat Records and Red Bank, um, which I think you and I had a lot of experience at. Oh, yeah. And we'll oh, talk more about sk- over time. I skipped but, a lot of school to go hang out Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. But... Um, uh, they were closing when Stay What You Are came out and I had helped the owner um, move a lot of the inventory that they had. Yeah. Basically took a whole day to help him out and he told me at the end of the day, he was like, take whatever you want, basically. And I remember still being shy about liking Saves the Day and I stuck that Stay What You Are CD in my pocket and didn't tell anyone. <laughs> well... Um. Yeah, that's probably a good decision. <laughs> that's pretty funny. But here um, I am talking about it for here for we are publicly. Well, this is, this is this is this is your uh, out outdoors moment with uh, saves the day fandom. Yeah, but I, um, I mean, I think the last thing for context, just to add, is like you know, I I feel like we've actually kind of mentioned it, but you know, in the in underground music at the time, you know there were a lot of, at least in New Jersey, there were a lot of different types of bands playing. So, you know, a band like Snapcase, which was like more aggressive and metallic, and then a band like Howard of Music, who was, you know, much more melodic and, you know, had kind of catchier songs, um, but still kind of rough. Like, there were all kinds of bands playing. Saves the Day was playing with all of them, um, which I think, you know, is interesting. And, and, frankly tough to do because you know you have to go up against a lot of different types of people who may or may not be all that welcoming to what you're playing so so yeah i think that's probably what gave saves the day the confidence to just go all out with you know the cover art and you know the sound of this record i think they probably knew exactly what they wanted to do and they did it and you know told everyone that didn't like it to you know screw off so yeah, yeah. I um so I am very familiar with this record. I I go back and forth uh whether this is my favorite Saves the Day record or if I like can't slow down more. Um it's between those two for me. Mm-hmm. Stay what you are. There's a distinct difference between Stay What You Are and the first two albums. 
and we're going to save it for the stay what you are episode. Yeah. But it loses me. With but that the, said, but there's a that? huge difference between the first record and the second record. There too, sure is. Know? And yeah. and some reason I'm along with it. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I really like both records. Probably a time where I put listening to these on pause, you know, in the early two thousands, probably a decade there, but I've revisited them on and off and always kind of been happy with the results. You know, um, these aren't in my constant rotation, pretty far from it, mm-hmm. but, uh, but I always enjoy putting them on. And recently I had, I had revisited, um, probably before we started this podcast, you know, just like, Hey, let me throw this on. And actually the band did a 20th anniversary show in New Jersey that, I went to, um, and if anybody's a fan of this band, they should check out the young band Anxious, who played that, who was awesome. Not from New Jersey, but they're from Connecticut, so uh, give it a listen. And seeing these songs live, they were great. It was really good. They basically played the whole record, threw in some songs from you know the, the big hits from the other records, and it was it was a packed Starland ballroom and. Uh, I mean, I, I would. It's no. It's no exaggeration to say that the entire building knew every word. You know. Yeah. So, um, so that said, very familiar. Have kind of given them a break and revisited, and always felt really good about the results. Uh, what was your impression on this listen through for this podcast? And let's let's also unpack it because we know it so well. We got to describe the song as if. Um, people who are like, what the hell are you guys talking about? Yeah. So the whole record flows, um, his vocals to me, which I think is, if anyone doesn't like this band, I think it's nine times out of 10 might have something to do with the vocals. Yeah. Um, how do we describe the vocals here? Um, a little bit, whiny um, yeah very high pitched um, pitched whiny not nasally too much yeah but but certainly on the um yeah they can they don't get very low in register ever never yeah um and he pitches up to get to note sometimes and you'll hear kind of it does touch nasally but we're not gonna be too hard about it yeah um but the vocals are there musically i think this is post indie rock post hardcore pop punk and um you know it it actually has turned into somewhat of a genre because it's like yo it's much more earnest it's much more um self-aware than a lot of the like epitaph records of the 90s or fat records of the 90s and like to be to be totally honest it's like well the only band of that ilk that i felt took themselves really serious and kind of were self-aware was was a band like bad religion Mm -hmm. who always felt apart from that stuff you know they they didn't have any fart joke songs you know right right um and I don't think I should compare Saves the Day to Bad Religion, but but it was a different kind of seriousness that really was like, hey, what would it sound like if an indie rock band was like, hey, let's do a pop punk record? Yeah. I mean, the Bad Religion comparison, like, it's not 
I mean, just 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 strictly speaking about the sound. I mean, there could be comparisons. I mean, it's all you know, kind of aggressive bar chord guitar music, right? If That's we're right. Really, That's if we're right. Really breaking it down. Um, so yeah, I mean, I could see some similarities to like the '90s pop punk stuff, Green Day, Offspring, but then it's like there is more of like a serious bent to it that I think came from like like firmly came from the hardcore scene. That's true. I think um, to make comparisons, if someone's familiar with Hot Water Music, this is a lot more poppy, um, mm-hmm. but it's you know from the same world. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, the Get Up Kids. How is this different than Get Up Kids? This is more. It's just it's just more up tempo. Um, it's more you know? up tempo. I think Get Up Kids. I, like I don't, and I haven't revisited them in a little while, but. I with saves the day. I think you can still hear the hardcore influence. Like, like they were kids that were listening to, you know, the lifetime and the bouncing souls and, yeah. um, you know, and we should, we should do a little swirl into that world. Yeah, New yeah. Jersey. Yeah. I mean, I think you can't, you can't really talk about saves the day without talking about those bands, but I think that, you know, what am I trying to say? I guess like, Lifetime were a band who, you know, if you're a fan of Saves the Day, I think are definitely worth checking out. Um, came from a similar scene um, and were most certainly an influence on Saves the Day. Um, but, you know, it's it's aggressive, hardcore, meaning, you know, it's fast. I think the tempo is really, really quick, but um, it has it has melody to it and mm-hmm. you know instead of kind of shouting shrieking vocals it's you know more singy like, yeah. there's actual singing in the you know music so yeah i think that the band um i think the band lifetime is the singular hey um and, and i mean it gets said quite often in this world but saves the day sound should be attributed to that band yeah um and to be fair, I think, I think that can one hundred percent be said for the first record. I don't know that it can be said as much about this one, though. I think they stray away. I yeah. think they stray away. Um, yeah, I think the tempos slow down a bit, and they do some different things here. Yeah. So I think that's fair. Um, but it's sort of saying saves the day were the evolutionary godchildren of a band like lifetime who came from the hardcore scene, but started going a more poppy direction. But what they did was they never lost the speed of hardcore. In fact, they actually sped up mm-hmm. when they brought their melody up when they started being more melodic. They actually brought their speed up too, which was a really interesting thing to do. Yeah. Um, the band, the bouncing souls who I would assume most people who listen to this are somewhat familiar, but they are a, long-standing New Jersey punk band who certainly could have been, you know, without disparaging pop punk and at the very least leaning that way, though I think they sort of did their own thing and always had this sort of like their roots of, of music were tied into stuff like the clash and some of that more rock sensibility punk that never allowed them to just, it gave them something else that a lot of pop punk bands didn't have. And, and I think I don't hear a whole lot of bouncing souls in saves the day's music, but sort of the energy of what saves the day did certainly took from bands like this yeah. and said, Hey, we're going to do this. We're going to go for it. This is also to say that 
when saves the day started, even before three through being cool, but certainly immediately following it, they left a huge lineage of bands who started and formed with the intent of doing exactly what they did. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think in New Jersey there was quite a few, so I won't I won't disparage anyone, but you know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> but there were a lot of bands who who were like, "Oh, you mean we can do this? We can be." Uh, kind of we don't have to, to play a pop punk sound we don't have to wear jorts with socks pulled up to our knees and have <laughs> weird bleached hair we can look like we just got done at the weezer show or you know uh you know finished our uh second latte after a hard day of sophomore year at rutgers okay right. cool yeah exactly you know um that was epidemic <laughs> yeah and and again part of what led to them having the weird pushback from from this super small world of music that was like, oh, fuck this band. Um, but that's not to be understated. I mean, like part no. of it is part of like the whole thing is anything that you get into is aesthetic. You know, I mean, there 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 <laughs> yeah. are things there are things to this day that I'm still kind of I've never <laughs> given the time of day just because I am like repulsed by the aesthetics of it. You know, so many I, I, many I, things. Yeah, I think this is huge. If you're like, wait, I can just wear jeans and a sweater and like play music that I I I really like, and I don't have to look like, you know, that kid over there. Like, great, I'm in. Yeah. You know, yeah, no, I think I think that's that's kind of what it is. So musically, um, we talked about the vocals. Yeah, uh, whiny, pitchy, which some people loved them. Some people and they felt super relatable, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, but I think it's, that's another one where you either, you really either love it or hate it. Like, like I always, I always like kind of referencing music as being um, like indefensible. Like I think of like a band like King Crimson that like, yeah. I love, yeah. but like I will not even defend them. Like they're, it's indefensible to me. Like it's not even worth defending because if you don't like it, you just don't like it, you know? No. If, and if and you I, like I'm, it, you really like it, you know? And but, I'm so into parsing why you might not and, and talking about it and trying to figure it out. Yeah. But exactly what you said, music should be indefensible. Like, you don't have to defend why you like something, nor do you have to defend why you don't like something. Right. It can. It's. It's the way it hits your friggin' brain. You know. So. So that's. I. I think totally right about saves the day. The vocals there musically. Um. How do we talk about through being cool? It's. It's got. It's a mostly up tempo, kind of bright, record. Um, there's a couple parts that, um, speed up, but I don't think, yeah, overall it's pretty, I don't think there's very much grim or, or like dark parts of this record. You know, it's pretty up. I think the, the lyrically it can get a little bit dark, but musically it's, uh, it's definitely kind of a brighter, um, you know, rock record. Yeah, I think it's yeah, I think it rocks. It's I mean, think um, like like Foo Fighters, uh, the color and the shape, or something like that. You know? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yes, correct. And so that brings me to my question: Would you, if you had to pick between one of these, mm. 
is this a pop punk band trying to be an indie band or is it an indie band trying to be a pop punk band? Um, I think it's a, and then you can explain why maybe it's neither, but, but you know, please. I think, I think it's an indie band trying to be a rock band. Really? Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I, I think it's, it's a band that firmly, no, I think came, you're right. Okay. It, it's a band that firmly came from the underground. Yep. Um, but I think they wanted to be playing different type, like a different style yep. and weren't afraid to just play it. But I think, and I, I honestly haven't gone all the way with their catalog. I'm familiar with, I think like the one or two records after this, but I feel like Chris Conley, you know, who's writing all the songs wanted to, you know, was listening to different things, writing different kinds of music. I think that this record, you can still hear a lot of the like early hardcore influences. Yep. Um, but I think that that wasn't, those were like old habits. Right, right, right. And, and not, maybe not, not necessarily things that he was like interested in having, you know, <laughs> firmly in which, the song. which to me, I think make this record really interesting and cool were the yeah. habits they couldn't kick. Right that make this and i mean you know a lot of people talk about this it's also an emo record it's yeah i I think that word gets so mutilated and mangled and the different forms of it i guess somebody could refer to this as like a third wave emo i don't even know what that means well i mean but that's the thing like all these whenever we start talking about genres it gets tough because different different people think different things although i will say that like if you if you say emo, the cover of this album like screams. Oh that yeah, to yeah. Anyone, Especially of the time, know? of the yeah. time. If and you're the vocals too, like if you're saying emo 2007, you're probably picturing a kid with swoosh hair and some sort of like stripe on it. Yeah. Um, if you're saying emo 1999, it's uh, guys with with tight haircuts, wearing a t-shirt that's probably a size too small. And um, pants that are either really nice or cuffed up. Um, either way. Um, another musical reference, because I think you're right, and it, when you said an indie band trying to be a rock band, the band Fallout Boy, who, who achieved a pretty high level of, of pop music success, yeah, I think walked in the, the steps that Saves the Day did to much further lengths. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, I would specifically say there's some parallels to this record um, on their big record. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think there's some really interesting stuff to, and I'm not here to say like, Hey, check out fallout boy <laughs> far from it. But, but if you're a big fan of fallout boy and haven't heard this record, well, you should definitely check it out. But um, I mean, that brings up a good question, right? Like, like, so this kind of predates all that stuff. I mean, even, even dashboard, e- even dashboard confessional, I think their first record came out like a year after this. That's right. That's um, right. So, you know, all of that stuff was kind of happening at the time or getting started at the time, but this record I feel like comes before a lot of it. I mean, get up kids were happening, which is, you know, somewhat similar. There were, there were definitely sort bands, of, sort of, know? but they didn't pop it off like this. Yeah. Uh, this is before say anything. This is before taking back Sunday. This is before my chemical romance. This is, yep. yeah. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, if this, if this record had come out in the late two thousands, you know, kind of when yeah. all of that stuff was firmly going on yeah, mid late two thousands. Yeah. 
do you think it would have had at all the same response? Or would it just would it have just been lost in the sauce at that point? Damn, it's a great question. I, I feel think like this it, record go ahead. No, Give no, your opinion first. Please. I mean, I I just I feel like it would have been lost in the sauce. I mean, I feel like it's a great record and it had it had a lot that people, you know, obviously took from. Um and it like you said, I mean, it kind of spawned its own little subgenre in a way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't know that it would have stood out um, against all of that stuff. Like my, I'm, I'm, th- I'm thinking of like My Chemical Romance. Who, you know, I'm sure. honestly, I'm not even that familiar with their music. That's a record that I'm interested in covering at some point here. But like, yep. um, I, I do know that there, there was a lot of theatricality. You know, there was like the makeup and the and the outfits and like they had this whole thing going on that I feel like saves the day. They looked, you know, cute and young and whatever, but like they didn't have much. Of, <laughs> there wasn't much of like an aesthetic thing that I feel like would have helped them stand out. Right. No. So, so that's a great question. Um, I would put them more in the world. Damn. So so they probably I mean, Fallout Boy would have been a maybe more of a comparison because they didn't have the theatrics of Michael Romance. Yeah. Both of those bands had singles that really popped, like really popped. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll, we'll get to that in a second. I think they achieve more the level of a say anything or a taking back Sunday or a, you know, like they don't, they do not. I wanted to say this record would have stood up on its own then now anytime mm-hmm. when i think about it part of the appeal was how unique it felt in the time right and how different it was and where it was coming from and how different and how bold like to be very honest how bold it is that they did this damn thing and went like hey uh, uh shoulders the wheel let's go like we're gonna go all the way in on this yeah and uh haters be damned um so I think you're probably right. I think it probably gets lost in the sauce. Um, just for some perspective, are you familiar with either, and I'm only going to go for the earlier, which is the second album of Fallout Boy, which I think you could draw some parallels to, you could still draw some through lines to Saves the Day. Mm-hmm. Are you song, familiar with either the song Sugar, We're Going Down or Dance Dance? I'm off the top of my head. I'm not. I would no, have to. Okay. Well, Sugar We're Going Down has 393,270,000 streams on Spotify. <laughs> Dance right. Dance has 247,764,000 streams. Those are about half of their biggest song, which I'm not familiar with, Centuries, uh, which has 618 million streams. All right. For reference, My Chemical Romance. Their most popular songs, um, Welcome to the Black Parade, has 366,322,000. Uh, the I'm Not Okay song, which got major radio play, 185.7 million. And the song Teenagers, 337.7 million streams. Our Buddies and Saves the Day. <clears throat> This is nothing to scoff at either. Shoulder to the wheel, 
and Rock's Tonic Juice Magic, two songs off this record. Shoulders to the Wheel, 5.1 million. Rock's Tonic Juice Magic, 3.1 million. Their most popular song is off Stay What You Are at Your Funeral, which has 10.8 million. Mm. I think that if you asked Fall Out Boy, I mean, there's quotes from Fall Out Boy and My Chemical Romance going, oh, Saves the Day was a huge influence on us. Right. And if they hadn't done what they did, we maybe don't do what we do. That's pretty crazy to say. Um, But all that said, I think this band actually had more influence than it had success in this world. And this record's fucking a big deal for that. You know, this record turn is one of those records that a ton of people are like, Oh, this is essential, you know? Um, and I think that that counts for something. (laughs) Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of fascinating to think about it. Um, in those terms, my question for you, because I think you're right. It would have got lost in the sauce. Let me throw this back at you. Did this record break the pop punk genre or did it, make the emo genre i think it made the emo genre okay because i think that i think pop punk was kind of i mean it's it's a different iteration of pop punk right like, yeah it's, it's the not, it's the evolution basically yeah yeah it's, it's not the same thing that we're talking about when we talk about like green day for example although there's nope. definitely like comparisons there right. um but I think it's it kind of created its own little like emo rock thing that um, was kind of in the ether, but hadn't been so fully formed up until this point. Yeah, you know? I, I mean, I think that's right. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I think I think that's where it was at. I mean, do you think? Throw a question back at you. I mean, yeah, do you think had, had they so had they put the same album out with different cover art? Yes. Does it have the same effect? Like, say the cover art is more reminiscent of the first record. It's just kind of... Or or, or like any of the initial records catalog or a Get Up Kids yeah, record or I, a Hot Water Music record? I, I, no the, way. The important part being their faces are not on the front cover. Yeah, no, no way. This feels like a pop record. Yeah. The look of it is, hey, we're trying to get, we're trying to get big. Yeah. Whether that was intentional or not, I, I mean, I think there was a certain level of intentionality to the whole thing. You think about these things. But um, no, it, it, it was doing something different. And to pitch it back to you, did it, <laughs> did it succeed? Yeah, well, 100%. Yeah, I think so too. I yeah. think it made it, it made it stand out in a big way. And it pushed, uh, you know, there's a lot of threads we could take from here. It really pushed Equal Vision Records into a different place. Mm-hmm. And that's a label that ended up signing bands like Coheed and Cambria, um, Circus Survive. Uh, I mean, some bands that got really, really fucking popular. Yeah. So, um, and really turned into something quite large. So that that's big. And Saves the Days plays a factor in that. Um, I mean, it's one of those things like you, you, you see it happen time and time again with music, right? Where like, it it's it's always i think beneficial you know and i reluctantly say always because i'm sure there's bad examples that i'm not thinking of but if your band gets people talking that's usually for the better you know um, oh yeah even if it's like negative feedback um ultimately that turns positive in some way you know um, no I, I i think i largely agree i think 
it's um it's undeniable how and we're giving a lot of personal context here but like it was it was a big deal and and people looked at this and had a ew response and some people, people felt like, very strongly about it whether yeah. they liked it or disliked it yeah and then there was other people like ah oh, it's cool i like it um do you think the music on this record feels dated or does it feel a bit timeless hard to hard to parse because of our personal experience but give it a whirl yeah yeah it's hard to parse i have to think that it sounds a little bit dated mm-hmm. um i mean production wise it i think it still sounds really good um but it uh i don't you know i don't know so i listen <laughs> so i listened to the newest um machine gun kelly okay I listened to the newest Machine Gun Kelly record the other day, right? It sounds like a Blink-182 record from 2001. Right, right. It's wild. So, like, maybe it does sound contemporary, and well, I just don't know that yet. Well, because, I mean, yo, the Blink-182 is the one band in this mix that, like, yes, they have their fair share of, like, stupid songs. Mm-hmm. But on their more serious moments, like you can totally see Saves the Day being an opening band for Blink-182. You know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. Like, like uh, there's, you know, take out two songs off Dude Ranch and you've got a pretty serious record. Yeah. And, um, and some fast parts and stuff that you would go. But I, I don't think any of those dudes from Blink would claim they were coming from, you know, a, you know, such a serious seen as hardcore punk rock like that even though they're coming from punk they were you know socal guys with their uh dicky shorts and high socks from day one yeah that said this isn't a million miles from some of that stuff so i'm gonna lean and say given the the familiarity this record feels of a time to me because of my personal experience Mm mm-hmm but has some timeless elements in that I think the production is super, super good. It, it doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like anything that anyone would be like, oh, I can't listen to this record. If it feels dated, it doesn't sound good. It sounds fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, I also feel like the hits and hooks still catch me just as much as they did 20 years ago. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, my, only other big question for you is is this a record that you think someone over the age of let's say 25 could get into blind um that's a good question like does it have to be like to me because my initial version of this was this is such a teen record yeah but when i think about it it's just kind of like maybe this is a sunny like backyard like swimming in a pool and like i don't know horsing around record it's <laughs> it's like it's it's so light and kind of it would be like someone like telling me at age 35 that was like hey tried twinkies for the first time the other day really good <laughs> i'd be like you waited this long and you, you ate a twinkie Okay, you know, yeah. like, and it's not not for me to say like a Twinkie is bad. Yeah, um, not my personal favorite, but like, you know, uh, let me use my personal favorite. If somebody was like, I just tried a Ring Ding for the first time, I'd be like, that's kind of weird. Like, 
I, I tried one when I was eight and said, these are good. I'll eat these sometimes yeah. and, and do my best to avoid them now because I'm, uh, you know, not eight. Um, yep. So, uh, so yeah, there's a, so, so my question remains, is this a record someone over the age of 25 could just get into? Just as an aside, my, my grandpa was a, uh, heart doctor and he brought me and my brother a box of Twinkies every Sunday morning, um, for about, <laughs> for about 10 years. All but, right. Uh, heart healthy. Yeah. It's, it's they're, they're, healthy. they're like cherry Cheerios basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, can someone over 25 get into this cold? Um, I don't know at this point. I mean, it's funny that you say that it's, 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 it's a light record. I actually think of it as being pretty heavy just because it, it just in terms of content, I guess, because the lyrics are like, there's like a lot of heartbreak. I feel like it's a lot of the things that people experience in their teens and like early college, like you're losing friends that you've had your entire life and you don't know how to feel about it. You don't know what to do with it. You know, you're kind of, having your first serious relationships and not yes. really understanding yourself enough to know like why they went wrong or, you know, what you did or what kinds of people you need to surround yourself with, you know? Yes. Um, it's, it's, there's like a lot of which, you know, emo, there's a lot of emotion in the songs here. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, th- I think that kids 25 or older, like they might be too old for it at that point. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I think. I, I, I agree. And I guess I'm speaking on the music. If you listen to the lyrics, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of getting your feelings moments here. Yeah. And I guess I'm looking at it in my adult have a child lens where I listen to this. I'm like, ha, 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 ha. and I'm sure I got pretty in my feelings about some of these, like, uh, you know, uh, uh, why you such a dick lyrics when I was 17. Yeah. Um, right. But uh, a lot of anatomy in the lyrics, too. <laughs> there is, there is, um, spleens, and you know, that's right. You know, it's a funny theme. There's a lot of themes on this record, there's a lot of like travel themes. So, so like, I wonder if Chris was discovering America, also discovering uh, human anatomy at this yeah, time, yeah, right? It seems like it. Um, so all of this said. <clears throat> Do we want to go track by track or do we want to, is there anything else we should cover before we start uh, breaking it up? So let's, I have one more question then we'll go track yes. by track. So one thing we didn't talk about um, was an EP that came out before this. Oh, do you remember uh, this? You might. Yeah. So it was called, I'm sorry, I'm leaving. Uh-huh. Um, and it was, I think five songs, Yes. but it was, but it was all acoustic. Yes. Um, and you know, we were talking about, context before this i mean i have a question okay so but i guess did i did i just throw this record in my <laughs> short-lived distribution that lasted like six months yes i did 100 did i sell you a copy of this the the very limited vinyl version of this 100 percent. yep yes yep. yes do i still have that no but i wish i did same i had like three copies wish i still had them yeah I think um, I did pretty good selling them when I did. Uh, let's look it up on Discogs right now, but please continue. <laughs> so I guess the important point here is bands weren't really doing things like that at that point. Um, no, to not, have, not this kind of band. To have a fast, hardcore record come out, you know, get a little bit of notoriety, at least, you know, around New Jersey primarily, and then, you know, come, you know, 
come out swinging with a five song acoustic EP was like not something that a lot of bands were doing. Um, so that I remember at the time, I think, I think the EP came out around the summertime, like maybe June or July. And then I summer, think that, this was summer 98. And I believe, I think, and then the L, the LP came out early 99, 99. Yeah. I think yeah. it was still kind of cold. Yeah. They were within like nine months or so of each other. I remember, yeah. but I remember that that EP got a lot of people talking like, and again, it was the kind of thing where a lot of people were talking. A lot of people loved it. A lot of people hated it, you know, and, yes. but everyone had an opinion on it. And my question to you does through being cool have the same like effect that it did when it came out? Had they not done that EP? Would as many people have paid attention? Do you think? Uh, my, my short answer is yes. I think okay. that it would have, I think, um, I think that the long answer is the acoustic EP only added fuel to the fire for haters. Okay. For people who wanted, who didn't like them and wanted to dislike them, it was just one more chip on that. Like, oh, these fuckers with sure. the acoustic EP. Who do they think they are? Um, excuse me for cursing. I've been cursing a lot today. Um, but that's um, right. The uh, <laughs> it was just fuel for the fire. I think there was probably quite a few people who were completely unaware of the acoustic EP. Because it was the 90s. Uh, the yeah. diehards knew. Now, here's my question for you. Did you like the acoustic EP? I did. I liked it a lot at the time. But I also... Me too. I think I was also making fun of it with people. Um, <laughs> I'm sure. Because, I, I mean... but, but it, was, they, it was easy. Yo, it was I, really easy to make fun of. <laughs> I think it was one of those things where you could... Look, you could like it and make fun of it. Because it was so catchy... And so just, man, it was recklessly um, out there for a band in this world to yeah. do that. So they went, for it. they went for it and you could love it and still laugh at it. So that's that's a pretty strong thing. I, I actually think that's pretty cool in hindsight. Maybe it wasn't super fair to the band, but fuck it. It, it just yeah. was what it was. Um, I think people were, people who were in were in and mostly probably like the acoustic EP, even, even some of our friends who I think were kind of like, I remember one of our buddies being like, bro, the I'm sorry, I'm leaving. Yo, I love it, bro. I love it. <laughs> and it was really funny. Um, so, uh, shout out to, to that homie. Um, but so, so I could do without the, the, uh, melt with you cover, but, but that's about it. It's fine. Um, I wasn't offended. It felt like a Burger King commercial for about five minutes. So whatever. Yeah, true. It's all right. <laughs> but I, th I think through being cool would have had the same effect. I just, yeah. I, I think that there was an, an initial, like it really, it, it hit super hard when it came out. And I think that part of that was because they got a lot of attention for that EP, whether positive or negative, I think. So I, I think it would have got the same attention, maybe just not as quickly. Yeah, that makes you know, sense. Like, that over makes time, sense. it would it would it would all even itself out. But yeah, all right. Let's go track by track. First song, "All Star Me." All Star Me, um, great opener, great song. Great Catch opener, you. great song. Keeper. Yeah, Keeper. you vandal. 
Um, this is where you can tell that there's still a hardcore band. Yes. Um, and still kind of pulling <laughs> Under the sheets. Yeah. A certain well. Yeah. Um, good song. I mean, it sounds like it could have been on the first record, but it feels like a more fully formed version of what they were doing on the first record. So, so they're doing things on this record that I think of as completing melodies which is where where when you go through it doesn't feel like it's truncated sometimes short songs i mean one of the most beautiful things to me is a song that is two minutes or less that feels like the melody's completed mm-hmm. and uh, i think they achieve that all over this record and they do it better than they did on the first record even though sometimes bands of this kind of very specific niche will use an uncompleted melody as kind of a gimmick to a song it'll be like do do you know um they do it beautifully here uh you vandal keeper for sure yeah i'm excited to see where you what you drop here because shoulder to the wheel i'm keeping yeah um i'm keeping it too i mean i think it's it's like a super catchy track i feel like this is one of one of the songs that everybody you know was singing this is the whole room whole room song yeah 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 it's funny i'm second guessing myself now because uh our guest from the other week dave told me that he gets a lot of pleasure out of hearing me just cut every track on every record (laughs) i I didn't know i was that i was that brutal but you know here we are well uh rocks tonic juice magic obviously Um, a nod at the red hot chili peppers shout out (laughs) are you are you a chili peps fan i am Right. I, it's, it's, I, I don't know if I should be embarrassed by that, but I was recently on a road trip and did a long Chili Peppers listen and got embarrassingly deep into the catalog knowing lots of the songs and really enjoying myself. So, wow. do you, Highly do you recommended ce- for a long drive. Do you celebrate their entire catalog? No, but I'm not mad at someone who does. How about that? <laughs> it's fair. It's fair. <laughs> so well, how about you? Um, I can't say I'm a fan. Really? Not yeah. even uh, Blood Sugar? I can't do it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm, I'm making you a mix. All right. Say. All right. All right. Um, Rocks, Tonic, Juice, Magic. Good song. Great song. Breakdown Keep at it. the end is like the best. Awesome. Hollyhocks, Forget-Me-Nots. Great song. Top three song on the record, probably? Yeah. 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 My I, One of my favorite moments on the record is this song and... One of my other favorite moments is the breakdown at the end of Rock's Tonic. So yeah, this is a good little piece here for me. And I think you mentioned it earlier, but the flow on this, the first five songs, it just flows. It's just, the record feels very well thought out. Yeah. You know, it feels like they really structured it. Uh, Third engine, I'm cutting it. Third engine. The sky grows bigger every day. Um. I like this song, yeah, but it's not it's not one of the strongest ones. If I were to cut a song, I might cut this one. Um, and why is I'm, he watching people sleep, man? I know, it's weird. I, I am cutting this one. It's the first song where, like, he's doing some interesting vocal stuff here, but it's really reliant on that. There's a little part at the end, musically, that I think is sort of interesting where they it's almost like faux fast picking. You know what I mean? Like it's like it speeds up a little bit, but I, I largely don't care about it. Like I, I, um, the, did you know my sweet, like it's, I I can, I can do without the song. Yeah. So my sweet fracture. 
So this one, the lyrics really struck me actually. Um, it's like so angry, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it like, you know, this band has to have come from hardcore because they were really pissed off about certain things. They were just kind of expressing it in a different way, you know? Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, the lyrics really struck me. I, I mean, I, uh, overall the song itself is not the strongest, I think. Agree. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, he really like, I, I don't know. It's, it's, we talked about them kind of just putting it all out there. I feel like they, I don't know. It, it, in a way it has to have been like tough to be this transparent about yourself and like how you're feeling at that. Especially, I mean, dude was like what? 19 at this 19, point. 19. Uh, this song is a, uh, let's say, uh, heads tails moment lyrically. Yeah. What's a bond if it dissolves in water? I took a piss that lasted longer than you and your manipulations. <laughs> Rough line, bro. Um, yeah. But then he gets it, which I feel like I've seen on tattooed on many people. I choose my company by the beating of their hearts, not the swelling of their heads. Right. So, uh, you know, good, good on you, Chris. You, you recovered. Nice recovery, you know. Um, he also, did you notice how many references there are to his mom? And then he thanked, there's like a very special thanks to his mom, too. Yeah. It's very interesting. Sweet. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, it's kind of cool. Um, am I keeping my sweet fracture? I'm keeping it. I'm keeping it. Cool. Are you keeping? You're keeping it, right? I'll keep it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Vast spoils of America. Highlight to me on the record. Okay. Really? I like it. I Maybe like it's it because too. I like travel. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, um, something great about Kansas. I like that line a lot. Um, man, all right. The, it it starts strong and dies off a little bit. Yeah, it, it, this one drags a little bit for okay. me. Okay, all right. I you know what? I'm more of an emo kid, I guess, in that way. I'm like, I'm, I like the darkness and the pain. Like when he's just <laughs> singing about driving around, it's not as yeah. Not as all right, all right. You know what? I, I might, I might. This might not make the cut. All right. Anyways, <laughs> uh, the last lie I told. I bummed you out about it. I didn't even no, I just had to that. think about it for a second. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, right. Uh, this one. Uh. Um, last lie I told. Um, I. You go. I'm cutting it. It's okay. just fine. It's it's. Like here's the thing. I could keep all of these songs and be happy because I actually think it's quite a good record, but on an individual level, I don't, I don't need this song. Yeah. I don't think I need it either. Okay. We're good on that. Do you know what I love the most? So this is the other track that I think sounds like the first record, um, you know, faster pace. Yeah. Has a lifetime kind of feel to it. Um, it has a little bit of that diciness where it, it slows it down and does kind of the like, baby, let's give it a go. Yeah. That, uh, that moment pulls me out a little bit, but otherwise I think you're right. It does kind of sound like the first record. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I might cut this too. I might cut this one too. Damn. 
Are we? Do we just yeah. love the first half of this record? Um, the I think yeah. I mean, the more I think about it, the the first half is like way. The first stronger. half is just strong as hell. The title track through being cool, good song, like undeniable. You hit the song and it's really good. Yeah, really good song. Um, they should have been if they're gonna you know name their record or the their record and song after a Devo song. They should uh, make more Devo references though, maybe. Yeah, interest. There's, I think there's a backstory on that, but it's not my story to tell. <laughs> yeah, um, I know that story. Great yeah, story. Yeah, it's pretty great. Um, Nick, why are you such a prick? Is a fantastic line. This song is sort of about the singer beating a dude up uh, or like fighting a dude. I'll, I think I'll make him eat the ground. I think that I will turn around and notice the wind blowing tops of trees. It's like, what's is he is he gonna fight somebody like that's a weird turn for this band but okay but it's a keeper song and the last song banned from the back porch banned from the back porch um good track good closer uh not my favorite but i'll keep it i'm keeping it um i think we cut a bunch of this record but i i like this song and uh, i think it's a good closer for the record sort of a little bit of a change of pace to close it yeah. But wow. So this record, I think we're saying the first five songs are just like bangers. Bangers. And then the next five are mixed and they close strong with two. Yep. Cool. Good record. Yeah. It's um, funny talking through it like that, though, because, you know, had you asked me, I would have been like, no, yeah, it's all pure gold. But yeah, I, I sort of feel like that too when I listen to it because, but maybe that's a little bit of where wrapped in the blanket of nostalgia because i really do like this record always was a let me listen to this whole record straight through and to be honest that that is my firm uh um encouragement my uh the thing i'd recommend because it's a cool record um that said by song two you'll know if you can take this dude's vocals yeah and that'll be the make or break for a lot of people I liked it. They actually kind of grow on you, but if you don't like it, you uh, you you might you might not 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 be in for this record. Yeah. So uh, cool. Did Damn. we cover it? Anything left? I think we covered it. Um, let me see. Uh, band is quite influential. I think at one point, this. You know, outside of Bruce Springsteen, this might have been the biggest band in New Jersey for a minute. That's entirely possible. Rock, a guitar band, biggest rock band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they they certainly had a moment where it seemed like, okay, here's here's my maybe I'll make this my closing question. If you have anything, you can feel free to ask. But my closing sure. question will be: Did this band hit? Was this their best possible timeline? Was this the most success that you could have imagined this band having? Or is there a reality where you could have seen them getting even bigger than they were? Were slash are. I think that they, I think the timeline was perfect. I think that decisions they made on later records would have changed things more dramatically. Like, I think that, um, the record after stay what you are, which we're getting into a, another conversation here kind of, but um, I think it's, I think it's called in reverie. Yes. I remember listening to that and it just, 
it 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 they were trying to i think from what i recall i haven't listened to it in years but it doesn't sound like what they had been doing for two records at this at that point but at the same time when that record came out what they had spawned was as big as it was ever going to get and i feel like they somewhat like distanced themselves from it in a way that you know led to less commercial success than they would have otherwise had yeah i think that's largely true huh but Um, but but, i mean i think through being cool came out at the perfect time i think stay what you are you know everything was in lockstep you know and then i think you know and not to say that it was a bad move i mean dude was writing what he wanted to write but um you know i don't think that commercially it did as well as it could have no he just like kind of stayed in the same groove yeah if he had stayed what he was <laughs> well, no. all right yo uh anything else that's it we're good thank you everybody for joining us you can catch us on our social media at at it came from nj pod instagram and, twitter facebook and you can email us at it came from njpod at gmail.com um, so do that let us know what you think is this your favorite saves of the day record um do we need to go check out the later era saves the day material? Um, do you have memories of this record? Uh, were you at the party on the cover in the cover photo? Were you one of the people in it? Because <laughs> I actually have in the uh, Kevin Bacon way. I think both you and I could, could connect to uh, almost everyone in this photo shoot at that, this point. Or were you secretly enjoying this record with, when it came out without telling any of your friends? Yeah, were you secretly indulging yourself in a little through being cool? <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you, everyone. We'll talk soon. See you next week.